Good morning, podcast. I'm Chef Ben, and this is Food in Five, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. Now, today is Tuesday, which means it is Brief History Day, but it also just happens to be my 100th episode of this podcast, which is super exciting. And so, because it is a special episode, I thought that I would do a brief history of me. So, I'm going to give you kind of the shorter version of my story, um, how I got started and, and, and my just kind of career. Uh, this may be a little longer than a regular episode, but it's my hundredth, so I don't care. Alright, here we go. So, today's episode is A Brief History of Chef Ben. I always wanted to be a chef, ever since I can remember. And this was before it was cool. The chefs on TV when I was growing up were mostly old white or Asian dudes and the occasional grandmother. It wasn't about being a rock star chef, I just loved cooking. When I was 15, my sister invited me to go stay with her in southern Ontario for the summer. I got my first job there working in a mall Chinese food place. I started out working the tail and doing prep, and then eventually worked my way up to the walk. I was shown how to hold a knife and cut meat and vegetables by an old Vietnamese lady named Ma, and I had more band-aids on my fingers that summer than I think I've had on them since. Uh, and the old Vietnamese lady, it was really interesting, every day before the store opened, she would light a little fire in the middle of the floor as like a blessing of the, of the restaurant. And I had pretty much all the Chinese food I could eat, which was amazing at 15, and I fell in love with the job pretty much right away. You know, standing over this giant walk with flames shooting up and tossing giant amounts of uh, sweet and sour pork and beef and broccoli. It was incredible. So after that summer, I went back home and I came back to Nova Scotia and back to school. And the next summer, I got a job in Halifax at a mall pizza place. I worked there for about three years. And this led to my first pub job, and essentially the story continues like this, slowly working my way up until I was about 22 or 23 when I got my first fine dining job. And I quit working at an all-day breakfast place because, well, it was an all-day breakfast place, and I'd been there for well over a year. I didn't have a job lined up, so I went out a bu- so I went out and sent out a bunch of resumes. I got a call back from a place I had no business working. The chef there saw something in me and kind of took me under his wing. He's still one of my closest friends. But despite what he saw in me, I was way out of my element and way beyond my depth. I was nervous. I was scared. I wouldn't talk to anybody because I felt... I just, I just felt way out of place. Anyway, so the company had another restaurant that was more of a casual fine dining place, and I got moved down there instead of being fired. This was much more my speed and a much easier step up from an all-day breakfast place to fine dining. So within within a month, I was promoted to sous chef. And eventually, I worked my way back up to the fine dining place. Um, and then my friend, my chef at the time, left, and another person took over. And then the restaurant closed, and I moved on and bounced around for another few years. Then when I was 26, I was feeling really stagnant and really trapped. I'd just broken up with my girlfriend. Uh, I had worked a string of really shitty jobs and I needed a big change. The year before, I had gone on tour with my band through all of Eastern Canada, like New Brunswick, Quebec, and Ontario. 
and I fell in love with Montreal the moment I saw it. So in September of 2012, I put all of my stuff in storage and I got on a plane. Nobody believed I was going to go. Nobody. My friends, my family, no one thought I was going to go. So I put all of my stuff in storage and I got on a plane. Now I landed in Montreal. Uh, if you so if you're not from Canada, you might not know this, but Quebec is like a French-speaking province, and the rest of Canada is predominantly English-speaking. Um, and so I just wanted to set that. Scene. So I landed in Montreal around 10 in the morning on a Friday before a long weekend. I got off the plane, grabbed my bag, stepped outside the airport, lit a cigarette, sat down, and panicked. It hit me that I had just moved to a place where I knew literally no one. I had no job. I had no place to live. I didn't even have a hotel booked for the night. I think I had like $700 in the bank. And I, I seriously, like, I started to panic. I was freaking out. I think I smoked like 10 cigarettes back to back. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know any French. I was fucked. I spent a good half hour just sitting outside the airport on my phone on Kijiji, which is like our Craigslist, responding to every housing ad I could find. Then the replies started coming back. Sorry, room's gone. Thanks, but no thanks. Sorry, it's already rented. I called every hostel I could find, all fully booked for the long weekend. And I started to really lose it at this point. I was freaking out. So I decided that I couldn't just sit outside the airport forever. So I got in a cab and I asked the cab to take me downtown to his favorite restaurant. Luckily, he spoke English. And he dropped me off in front of a nondescript cafe on a nondescript street that I couldn't find again if you offered me a million dollars. And I did the most French thing I could think of and ordered a coffee and a croissant. I sat in that cafe, slowly sipping my coffee and nibbling my croissant for about two hours. So I was very slowly nibbling my croissant while I desperately searched for somewhere to sleep that night. And it was when I was deciding between finding a nice metro station, like a subway station, to sleep in, uh, or going back to the airport and flying home with my tail between my legs, that I got really lucky. My phone pinged, and the little email notification popped up. I opened it and read it, and an apartment available, 500 a month, all-inclusive. I'll be here for the next hour, address below. I responded, be right there. I grabbed my bag and walked three or four blocks trying to find a metro station. I found a cab instead. I hopped in the cab and said, with the worst accent ever, Tu parles anglais? Although it didn't sound like that. It was like, Tu parles anglais? Anyway, to which the driver responded, Non. I was like, oh shit. I thought. I showed him the address on my phone and he nodded and the car began to move. And I had no idea how far away I was uh, from my destination. I knew the guy was only going to be there for an hour, but I had hope. So we pulled up outside what appeared to be a dilapidated apartment building. Like, it was pretty sketchy. I paid the guy 40 bucks, which put my total cab bill for the day at like 100 bucks, which was a big chunk out of the cash I had. And I got out and stepped into the building. Now, to say that this building was sketchy, and that the landlord was sketchy, and that the apartment was sketchy, would be the understatement of the century. But it was a place to sleep, it was only 500 bucks a month, and it was furnished. I paid him, and I was set. And then... That day, the rest of the day, I went out and bought sheets, I bought beer, of course, I bought some food, um, and I was applying for jobs. And then within three days, I had a job working in a bistro in the back of a French bookstore. Now, this job was the exact reason I had gone to Montreal, and I didn't even know it. I wanted to learn, and here, we changed the menu twice a day, every day. 
We got whole goats in once every two weeks. We could serve whatever we wanted, and people would eat and love it. Within three weeks, I got promoted to sous chef. I learned more in the first few months of the bistro than I had in years. I got to experiment with organ meat, with goat testicles, with anything I could imagine, and it would all sell. I couldn't believe it. I was there for about six months, and then my mom got sick. Uh, I flew back home the first few days of March, and two weeks later my mom died. I called my chef and told him I wasn't coming back. I didn't want to go back and deal with the condolences, I didn't want to talk about it at all. I couldn't stay home either, because I would just end up in the same cycle. So I needed to go somewhere new. Now I'd come home uh, for a few months, or I had come home a few months earlier for Christmas and I met a girl. She came and stayed with me in Montreal for a few weeks, but then she went home to the Yukon. And I needed a big change, and so with another blind leap, I moved to Whitehorse. Just like a few months earlier, I had no job lined up, but luckily I did have a place to stay. So just like that, I was living with a girl I'd only known for three months and her mother in the Yukon. If you don't know where the Yukon is, it is very northern Canada. Um, a lot of history, but it is very north, very remote. It took me two or three weeks to find a job that I wanted in White Orders. It was a brand new restaurant, the first fine dining place in the territory. Uh, we smoked our own bacon and sausages, used a lot of game meat, and the chef used techniques and flavor combinations that were new to me. I was there opening day. Uh, it was here in the Yukon that I decided to get my Red Seal, which in Canada is just like a interprovincial kind of standardization. Just certifies me as a cook across the country. I studied for months and months and challenged the exam. And I remember sitting at the bar at the restaurant before my shift. It's the only person in the building. My phone rang, and the guy from the Yukon apprenticeship office was on the other end. He said, good morning, Mr. Kelly. I have the results of the Red Seal exam here. And I said, yes. He said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you failed the pastry section of the exam. And I remember, like, my heart just sank, and I got a lump in my throat. Because I spent, like, six months studying every day just reading textbooks and textbooks over and over and over and like this was this was really important to me and so when he told me I failed the pastry section it was just like he'd stabbed me and then he said you did really well on most of the other sections but not great on the veggie section I was just like oh fuck he said Mr. Kelly and there was a long pause and my heart was like beating super slow just like I'm gonna die like I'm gonna die he said, congratulations, you passed. The next thing I remember was putting my phone down, bursting into tears, and pretty much just losing my mind. Now that moment was by far one of the proudest moments of my life. It validated all the years of work I had done, and for the first time made me feel like I belonged. And having not gone to cooking school always made me feel slightly outside, uh, but now I was in the club, and no one could take it away from me. Of course, it was bittersweet, because I, I knew how proud my mom would have been and how much it would have meant to her. And it was really difficult, but it was completely worth it. Eventually, my girlfriend and I made it back to Nova Scotia. Unfortunately, I fell back into the shitty cycle I'd been in before I left. My Red Seal left me feeling entitled. <coughs> Excuse me. I felt like I had earned a head chef position and I didn't want to settle for anything less. 
and his attitude led me to some pretty terrible decisions and some pretty hard learned lessons. I took jobs that I knew I shouldn't have just because of the title and got burned pretty badly a few times. After burning out a bit and screwing off to Portugal for five weeks, I accepted a job at a small Italian restaurant that put up huge numbers. The owner was a chef who had built a small empire along with his wife on the back of quality food and really good atmosphere. And I'd always wanted to work for them because I knew I could learn a lot. Two months later, they sold the whole goddamn company. <laughs> and I worked there for about a year and then moved on because it wasn't, it wasn't where I wanted to be. I wanted to learn from him and he was gone. Now, after the Italian place, I got my first taste of corporate cooking. Working for a large multinational corporation is like talking to a psychopath. They smile and pretend to be interested in you, but you can tell there's no emotion behind the smile, and I hated it. Luckily, I was in a pretty terrible car accident that messed my shoulder and neck up pretty badly. And the good part is that it got me out of that job, and the bad part is that I can't ever work a line again, more than likely. I have what is going To be fair, I said, luckily I was in. I'm not happy about it. I just, they got me out of that job. Now I've no, I have what is known as chronic pain. And I'm sure you can figure out what that means. I'm in pain all the time. There are different levels, but I'm always in some amount of pain. And I can't do a lot of repetitive motions with my right arm, which is, of course, my knife hand. And I can't stand with my head down for long periods of time. And random movements send pain shooting down my arm, up my neck, across my shoulders, and down my back. Not to mention headaches all the time. Now, up until recently, I was working for a growing catering company teaching cooking classes, helping with menu development and working on special projects. And it was a pretty good gig, but I felt stuck. I couldn't go anywhere else. And for the first time in my career, I didn't have a million kitchens I could jump into. And it's pretty much just that job. So I had to take control of my life. Now, if there are no other options, you have to create options. I started doing research learning about branding and social media, and less than five months ago, I had 120 people follow me on Instagram, uh, and they were all people I knew. Right now, as I sit here, I have well over 5,000, um, which is pretty cool. I have this podcast, which is on its 100th episode, I have a growing Facebook page, uh, and now I work for myself. I recently left the catering company. Uh, and I got my first couple of clients in the last week. And so I worked for myself teaching cooking lessons and doing very, very small caterings. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much my career, my story. Um, there's some ups and downs for sure. There's some hard roads taken, but you know, it's gotten me to be who I am today. Um, and I, I, I don't think I'd want it any other way. And just for the record, that, that girlfriend that I chased to the Yukon is my wife now. Um, so that worked out pretty good. Yeah, so I don't really know what the future has in store for me, but I'm excited about it. Anyway, I'm Chef Ben. This has been the 100th episode of Food in 5, brought to you by my website, howtonotburnshit.com, your modern culinary manual. Um, this has been a brief history of Chef Ben. Uh, if you like this podcast, please share it. Tell your friends about it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Ben Kelly, and you really should. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. Uh, and uh, a new thing that's happening now is you can become a patron of mine 
on Patreon. Uh, just go patreon.com slash Chef Ben Kelly. Um, and if you don't know what Patreon is, you should check it out because it's really cool. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm going to let you go and I'll be back tomorrow with another great episode of Food in 5. I hope that you have a fantastic Tuesday and I'll talk to you soon. And thank you so much for listening uh, and continuing to listen. Your support means the world to me. Uh, and this podcast has grown over 100 episodes. It's grown so much and I really appreciate it. So thank you and you know, again, thank you for your continued support. I'll talk to you soon.